Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and turn to Acts chapter number 2. We're kind of doing a survey through the book of Acts. Maybe not every verse through the book of Acts, but if we are a church plant only in our fourth week, and we want to learn from church plants, the most successful church plant in all of history is in Acts chapter 2. We started looking at that last week. And you know, churches in the state of Georgia, they're about a dime a dozen, aren't they? Most communities in Georgia, there's a church all over the place. Here in Hawkins, we've got great churches everywhere, but we, can, we continue to say that we believe East Hall is the most neglected part of Hall County um, for a lot of different reasons. I don't know what the reasons are, but it's just obvious on many levels. And so we think there needs to be a strong church that is different in East Hall. I did do a Facebook Live video earlier, but we don't have a big budget. We don't have a lot of money to advertise or do any of that. But if you are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, post about what God's doing here. Go and reshare what I put on my Facebook page or the Facebook Live video. Got to talk to some of you this morning and help get the word out about what God is doing here and let people know official launch isn't until September the 11th, but we need a core of committed believers who will come together and say we'll work, we'll sacrifice, we'll serve so that when the community starts coming in September the 11th, trusting God for a lot of people, we'll be ready to love them and to disciple them and point them to Jesus. But yeah, there's Georgia Baptist churches on just about every corner. And I told, I don't know if I said it last Sunday or with our next gen students Thursday, Dr. Emer Canner told us when I was at meetings at Truett McConnell a few weeks ago that one church in the state of Georgia is closing their doors every week this year. In 2022, an average of one church, and I called him and I said, did I understand you right when you said that? And he said, yes, you did. I'm more early into the year, but churches are closing their doors every Sunday. And this is only the, the fourth Sunday of Transformation Church. And so if there are so many churches, why does Hall County need another church? Why does any community need another church? Well, just to remind you, if you haven't been here or heard me say it, if every Bible-believing church in Northeast Georgia was filled to capacity today, there would still be tens of thousands of lost people outside the doors of all of those churches. So yes, we need more churches. And when God blesses any church in Hall County, what's the old saying? A rising tide lifts all boats. I want to see God bless all the churches in Hall County. We're not trying to mimic another church. We're not trying to be another church. We don't want to be a cookie cutter church. We don't want to be a holy huddle just for Christians to come and have our needs met. But we are existing. We're sacrificing so that we'll trust God for a great harvest of lost people later on down the road. So why? Why do you think Hall County needs another church? I'm going to take a drink of water out of my... This is the first product we have. This is Transformation Church on it. Pam Rowell, who was here last week, makes these. And I think she charges about 20 bucks for these. Is that right? If you'd like to have one, and she got my name on the back of that, and Transformation Church. So if you'd like to have one, we can get you in touch with Miss Pam, and she can do that for you. And we hope to have T-shirts later and all of that stuff to get the word out. But again, social media is a free and effective way. If you'd go online, just put a testimony of why you believe God has called you here. You tell me while I take a drink of water, why do you think we need Transformation Church in Hall County? A lot of lost people that need someone out reaching them. Amen. A lot of I'm going to repeat it for the recording. A lot of lost people who need a church reaching out to them. Good. It seems a lot of people have turned away from God. Mm. Yes. It is an action. Miss Marianne says a lot of people turn away from God. It's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. 
You know, we just sang about the Lord coming soon. It's a sign of the time that in the end times people will turn from God. They'll turn from their faith and evil is going to get worse. Are we seeing evil worse in our lifetime? But also it's an opportunity for godly people to shine. For a church like Transformation Church to shine. Excellent. Anybody else? Why do you think we need Transformation Church in this community? Amen. Amen. Yes. Kind of goes right along with what Miss Marianne said. People have turned away from God. People are losing hope. And we've got the answer inside of us. And His name is Jesus. And that's what motivates us with compassion to want to reach this community for Him. We desire our purpose statement at Transformation Church is to be a church where anybody can be transformed by the truth of Jesus. Yeah, we're going to love people. We're going to outreach. But it's God's Word. It's the truth of God's Word and that alone that transforms lives. And we exist. Why? Why do we exist? is to fulfill the Great Commission and to obey the greatest commandment. What is the Great Commission? Somebody tell me. Go and make disciples of all the nations. That's the Great Commission. And what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus probably knew where they were going with it. So he said, let me go on and tell you what the second commandment, second greatest commandment is. And what was that? Love your neighbor as yourself. So if we love God supremely, we will be motivated to love people, be motivated to outreach, and to, we, that's why we exist. It's why Pastor Matt and I and our wives left behind established church, left behind an income, because we believe God wants to do something different. We believe God wants to do a new thing. One of my favorite songs from the Passion Conference, new thing. God wants to do a new thing in Hall County through this group of believers we're calling Transformation Church. It's why we left the past behind. You know, normally on a Sunday morning, I'm sitting in my climate-controlled, air-conditioned office praying and studying and reviewing for a sermon. This Sunday morning, I'm out there vacuuming the floor. And Anita and Julie are putting together the coffee bar. Pastor Matt sweating, putting up the sound stuff. Why are we doing all of that? Why do, we, why do I get up at my, at my gray beard age? Why do I get up at 3.30 in the morning to go and stock cookies and crackers in stores? Why do I do that for a part-time income? Because we believe God's going to do something big. We believe these sacrifices are temporary because God's going to do something big in the days ahead. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. We have no intention of becoming a statistic. And I've told you that over half of church plants, new church plants like us, over half of them fail. They don't make it. We didn't put everything. I mean, we have literally put everything on the line. We're dipping into savings account to pay bills. We're doing this. Why? Because we believe God wants to do something big. And He's worthy of our sacrifice. We'll talk about that later. So our heart's desire is to be the kind of church that God blesses. Amen. That's the title of my message today. The kind of church that God blesses. And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse number 42. I read this last week but we're going to pick it apart in greater detail today. If you're physically able we'll stand and honor the word of God because God's word is absolute truth for all people, for all places and all times. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Stop right there. What's the first word that I read? All. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. When we open our doors and we start reaching a lot of lost people, I don't expect lost people to have an appetite for the Word of God until we lead them to Jesus and disciple them. But in a small church plant like this, we can fulfill that verse right there. All of us can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. Can I get a witness in the house? We like to eat, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. 
a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, every day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Pray with me, church. Lord, I get so excited by the transforming truth of your word. We know this is not a book of fairy tales, but this is really what you did in that first century, the first church plant ever, the first New Testament church. And we know, Father, that the God we serve is the same God that did that, the same God that called those people to obey you and to trust you and see you do miraculous things. We serve the same God, and we're so thankful for that. So, God, here we are, your children, we're listening. We're hungry to hear from your word. We're hungry to be transformed more and more into your image. And your, your word tells us it's the word of God that does that. So feed our souls today, Lord. Make us more like you. Lord, even in a small group like this, or certainly those listening on the World Wide Web later this week, anybody that doesn't yet have a relationship with you, their life has never been transformed. They don't look forward to your return. They're afraid about what's going to happen when they die. God, I'm thankful that the gospel is for them too and you're not willing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance and faith in you. I pray you'd save somebody even today. In the name of your son Jesus we pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. You remember from last week or from your study of scripture there in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost Peter preached and three thousand people came to faith in Christ. It is estimated that within the first six months they had a hundred thousand believers. Now, it was the first century church and, and times were different, but God is still the same. Amen. I've shared with you before about how I got to go to Russia on a mission trip to Moscow right after the Iron Curtain fell. People had never had copies of God's Word. They were hungry for the Word of God. Everywhere we went and would give the invitation, it was like everybody raised their hand. I remember one time I looked at the interpreter. I said, they didn't understand me. Let's do this again. She said, yes, they did. They understood you. I said, let's do it again anyway. Everywhere we went, that happened. Why? Because they'd never had, they'd never heard the gospel. They had been living under communism. And here we are back again in Russia. But that's another story. So I know the times were different. But as Miss, as Miss Marianne said, people are losing hope. We live in desperate times. Desperate times call for desperate action. And so we need revival. We need transformation. We need God to do a new thing. So these new believers joined together. And they met and they were taught by the, by the apostles. And they did life together. Again, no criticism at all because I've served on staff of a large church before. The key to a large church is to get involved in a small group and having a community there. My wife grew up at First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida. Their auditorium sat 10,000 people. If you sat on the last row of the balcony, you were one city block away from the baptistry. But that church had outreach down pat. You were in a small group. If you visited, you were contacted. But in a small group like this, when they talk about the way they did fellowship, we can do this. We can get, that's why I said speak to everybody in this room before you leave. You can't do that at a lot of churches. We can do that today. We're asking God to grow a healthy group of believers to prepare us for 9-11. And it's not for everybody. It is not for everybody. But do you have some mature Christian friends who have a heart for the gospel? Do you have some mature Christian friends who have a heart to see God do something new in this community? 
Do me a favor. Ask them to pray about giving us a year. Ask mature Christians. We're not trying to steal from other churches. We're asking God to do a new work. Would they give us a year to come and serve with us and help plant this church? And after that year, if God calls them back to Christ's place, Lakewood or wherever, so be it. But we just need some people to help us grow. Do you know some people? You ask them. You have relationships, relationships with them. Ask them. Put that on your social media. We want to be the kind of church that God blesses. What if just everybody in this room prayerfully recruited just one, just one missions-minded person to come with us and help us plant and grow? Because those of us in the second half of the room realize that come May, those in the first half of the room are going to be back to their home churches all over the state of Georgia. Many of them for the most part. And some are at Dr. Chavez's church today for a, for a project. That's where Nolan is. He had to be there for that. So we've got, we, can, we need some more people to help us roll up our sleeves and get ready. Luke, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, of course. He was a physician. And Acts has been said is kind of a sequel to the, to the Gospel of Luke. So he records some foundational activities that I believe were the reasons that God blessed that first church. And if God blessed them because of these activities, we believe God will bless Transformation Church because of these activities. So I'll try to be fast because it's a long list. Number one, write this down, Bible study. Bible study. And the, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All the believers. Again, we don't expect a lost person to do that. But if you are a child of God, you and I will never ever be the Christian we ought to be apart from a daily steady diet in the Word of God. Nobody can study the Bible for you. Nobody can apply the truth of God's Word for you. That is a personal thing that you've got to do. So we'll never be the kind of church God blesses unless His people have a hungry appetite for His Word every single day. Parents, grandparents, you ever tried to assemble a Barbie dollhouse on Christmas Eve and not look at the instructions? You ever tried to assemble a trampoline on Christmas Eve for your kids and don't follow the instructions? My kids got a trampoline on the coldest Christmas ever in Warner Robins, Georgia. It was freezing. And I tried and tried and got my cousin to come help me. And you know what we finally did? We read the instructions. Life is frustrating when you don't read the instructions. If you go out and you buy a new car, which you got to sell a kidney to do that these days, but if you bought a new car and you just said, hey, I've got a car, I'm going to have at it, do whatever I want, go wherever I want to do, and never pay attention to that little owner's manual in the glove box, you're going to have trouble with that because the owner's manual is there for a reason. The Word of God is the owner's manual. God owns me. Jesus bought me with His precious blood. If I'm going to be what I ought to be personally, if Transformation Church is going to be what we ought to be collectively, we must have a diet and an appetite for the Word of God. It's the instruction manual from our Creator. It's the most important appointment of the day. You heard me say I work for Nabisco. And on uh, Friday... My, my first truck didn't come in until 8 o'clock, which is highly unusual. Normally I'm up at 3.30. So I slept a little bit late on Friday. It's like 6.30. And the, the big boss lady called me and said, hey, have you left yet? And I said, no, my truck doesn't come until 8.21 at Walmart. She said, well, somebody's called out sick and coming. And do you mind doing this? I said, I don't mind at all. I need all the hours you'll give me. I'll go, I'll go do that. And she said, um, do you mind training somebody new? And I said, well, I'm still kind of new myself, but I don't mind doing that. And she said, can you be there in 30 minutes? I said, it's 45 minutes from my house with no traffic. And I said, I hate to keep the guy hanging, but I think I can be there by 8 o'clock. And so I hung up the phone. I looked and I said, I cannot keep this guy waiting. I need to get there. And I had my quiet time yet. And so I'm like, 
I don't want to be a bad example to this guy if I don't get there. I still got to take a shower. Thank God I don't have to shave every day anymore. But I was tempted to say, God, I'll do my quiet time when I get back. I know me. I know Mike. Had I done that, there would have been no quiet time that day. I'm dead dog tired when I get home from work. It would have never happened. I said, Lord, I'm going to honor you. Take some time in your word. And I still got there 15 minutes early. When you honor the Lord and you spend time in his word and time in prayer, the good thing about driving 45 minutes, have an extended prayer time in the car before I get there. But Transformation Church is going to be centered around the word of God and the God of the word. Amen? So number one, appetite for God's word. Number two, genuine fellowship. Genuine fellowship, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All the believers, again, that's an all-inclusive word there. All the believers devoted themselves to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Uh, True students who are studying Bible or Greek, you know that word is koinonia, biblical fellowship. It means the sharing in the life of Christ and doing life together, genuine care and compassion for one another. There should be no Lone Ranger Christians. Someone told me this morning they visited other churches, went to one church in particular, they got there and nobody spoke to them, and nobody shook their hand, nobody spoke to them during the whole service, they left and nobody spoke to them. That is not Transformation Church, I can just tell you. And we want to keep that, a hallmark of genuine koinonia. I've never percentage-wise, hugged as many necks as I do at Transformation Church. I usually let other people take the lead, especially after COVID. People are funny about it. You know, I'll be accused of nothing. But, you know, we're a hugging church. I mean, Jesus went up and touched people and put his hands on people. We're a, we love each other in this church. I've never been a part of anything like this where people genuinely care and love each other. And as I did the Facebook Live earlier, several of you mentioned that very thing right there, that this church genuinely cares. And you know, you've been to some churches where they will speak to you and they will shake your hand. They will ask you how you're doing, but you know they don't mean it. They're just going through the motions. We're, we're a church that genuinely cares about, we genuinely care that Ms. Jenna Wilson, part of our original group, is at home today and her knee's messed up. We genuinely care that Misty Kreitzer, who wants to be here, has had vertigo real bad all week long. We reach out to each other. We care for each other. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian in the Word of God. In fact, the Lone Ranger, even he had Tonto. He really wasn't all alone. God's design, a church God blesses, is a church that does life together. There's, maybe one day we'll do a study of the one another's of Scripture. There's a lot of one another's in Scripture. John 15, 12 says, love one another. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, carry one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.32 says, forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. If I want to be ticked at somebody, there's a lot of reasons to be ticked at people these days, amen. If I want to hold on to that grudge, then God says, hey Mike, Ephesians 4.32, you got to forgive them, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And I know all the times I've sinned against God. I know if I was God, I'd have zapped me and taken me out of here a long time ago. And the Word of God says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another. These are just a few of the one another things, hallmarks of a church that genuinely cares about other people. Dr. Tony Evans, one of my favorites, one of Katrina's favorites. Dr. Tony Evans says a disconnected Christian is a disobedient and unfruitful Christian. You know, you've seen the acronym for the word TEAM, T-E-A-M, together everyone accomplishes more. In a church plant, we're not looking for people to come in and be settlers. We're looking for pioneers, people to roll up their sleeves and help chop down the trees and build the houses and build the church here. 
when you're a disconnected Christian, you're a disobedient and unfruitful Christian. So everybody has a part to play. That's why at the moment of your salvation, I knew nothing about this when I got saved, but it was the truth. At the moment of your salvation, you were given specific spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are the, the building block. Spiritual gifts is kind of the toolbox for doing ministry and accomplishing ministry. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, come and talk to us. Let us help you with that. There's some online resources. Every believer needs to know what your spiritual gifts are and serve in that capacity. If you serve outside of your spiritual gift, then you will be frustrated. But there's enough of us that every spiritual gift is represented in this room. They shared meals and the Lord's Supper together. They ate together. Again, in a big church, that's hard to do. Last week, a, a small group of us after church went and we stayed at Shane's Rib Shack till I don't know what time we were there. They're probably ready to send us out. Just fellowship and just eating and enjoying one another's company. We tried to schedule it today, but most everybody had plans to go up to, to Truett McConnell University and have lunch with our students. Today didn't work out. Maybe next week, we're just going to go up and have a meal together. And you know what happens when you do that and we're there fellowshipping together? These students get a chance to say, that's my church. Come and meet this lady from my church. Come meet my pastor from my church. We go, we're fellowshipping together and we're spreading the message of what God is doing. I think it's like nine bucks the last time you and I went up there. Salad, meal, drink, dessert, everything. You can't beat that with All a stick. Eat. All you can eat. Now, it's Sunday more. I don't know. Y'all are on the meal plan. You don't know. But the, What is it? 12 on Sunday. Still a bargain for all of that, right? But... And hey, we do like to eat. Look at me. We like to eat. But the main reason is the fellowship, the koinonia. We're going up there to spend time together to encourage each other. I already said on Palm Sunday, we will observe the Lord's Supper here on Palm Sunday. It's not a meal, but we call it the Lord's Supper or communion, whatever you want to call it, to remember the Lord's sacrifice until He comes again. So we're going to be all about the Word of God. We're going to be about fellowship. Number three, we're going to be powered by prayer. If we're going to be the kind of church that God blesses, we must be powered powered by prayer. I talked about spiritual gifts. All of you have spiritual gifts. All of you have talents. Some of you are uber talented. Some of you are more talented than you even know that you are. But that's all a human level. If we're not people of prayer, our talents and abilities can only take us so far. So we must be powered by prayer. I talked a lot about this last week, so I won't say as much today. But when I pray, it's an acknowledgement that I can't do anything on my own. God, I need you. We sing that old song, I need you every hour. Not me, I need him every second. I need him every millisecond. When I pray, I'm acknowledging I can't do this on my own. We cannot do this on our own. We must be people of prayer. This church was birthed in prayer from a group of people who felt like God wanted a new thing and a new work in East Tall County. We are at this specific location because some young people on a Thursday night came out and prayer walked this property and basically just claimed it for the glory of God. When they said, no, you can't use the East Hall Community Center on Sundays. We're closed. We said, this is where God told us to meet. And you've heard me tell that story many, many times. But it was prayer that opened up this building for us. All these facilities, have y'all walked through here lately? There are two gymnasiums. There are classrooms. There's workout rooms. There's all this stuff out here. And these students can tell you on Thursday nights, there's kids out here practicing ball. Probably when we leave today, there are people out on the ball fields practicing ball. The community comes to us. And it was prayer that God gave us this he didn't give it to us. We do pay for it, but we don't have to pay the electricity bill. We don't have to pay for the internet. God has blessed us to place us in a strategic place, and all of that happened because of prayer. When people, when man says no and God says yes, you hang on to God's promise. So we're going to be powered by prayer. The fourth hallmark of a church that God blesses is a sense of awe. 
There was a sense of awe. I felt that earlier today as we were just worshiping and praying. I was thinking about the people in this room and what brought you here and why are you here. God just overcame me with that sense of awe. Look at verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now, they didn't have all of the written word of God at that time. They listened to the apostles' teaching. They hadn't written the New Testament yet, but these are men that God used to write it. So when they listened to them, they were listening to some of the very men that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God, Peter says, writing under his inspiration. It's the, the same folks. So there's a sense of, oh, they did miracles. There was no Bible. So I think there were more miracles at that time to authenticate the truth of what God was doing. Now, people say, why don't we see as, miracles, as many miracles today as we used to? I would submit to you there's no greater miracle than when somebody on their way to hell gets snatched off the road to hell and put on the road to heaven. That's the greatest miracle of all. But in parts of the world, even today, where they don't have copies of God's Word, we're still reading and hearing reports of miraculous things happening to authenticate the truth of Scripture because they don't have a copy of God's Word. God-sized prayers, we talked about prayer earlier, God-sized prayer leads to God-sized results, and God-sized results brings about a sense of awe. When a group this size says, we're going to trust God, we're going to hit the road, we're going to reach out, we're going to trust God to raise $200,000 in the next year, and you say, well, that ain't happening in this room. No, it's not in this room, but it's out there, and God's going to use the obedience of a small group, and you don't think the skeptics are out there? You don't think they mock us and they laugh at us and they say these people have lost their mind? When, not if, when that happens, they will say, Mike, Matt, a small group didn't do that. Only God could do that. It will bring about a sense of all. People have no other object to do but to just praise God and say, God did that. And we serve a big God. He can do that. But it's going to take all of us working together. You know, my 14 an hour ain't going to do that work in my job. It's going to take all of us working together. I'm going to kind of give a challenge here. And we've mentioned this before. If all of our students going home for spring break or next time you go home, why don't you pray about this? Ask your pastor if you can have about five minutes in a church service just to testify at your home church and talk about what God's doing here and why he brought you to be a part of Transformation Church. Or if you don't want to do it, tell your pastor, we'll, send it, we'll make a video and send it. Number one, it gets your church praying for us. Ask them why they just collect a love offering. You don't know what God can do. Because listen, students, they love y'all. And they, are, they don't know nothing about us. But they love y'all and they're proud of y'all for following God's call to come up to this university. They'll listen to y'all and God will prick their hearts. If nothing else, there may be little old retired ladies who don't have a lot. But they may give a little bit, and we might not know till we get to heaven. And that little old lady may write down in the back of her Bible, Blake Lee came home and asked us to pray for this church, and may never know, but that lady prays for Transformation Church faithfully every day. Amen. Big prayers lead to big results, and it leads to a great sense of awe. What's the old song say? Little is much when God is in it. The Holy Spirit will cause amazing things to happen with the church that's committed to the Word of God. They're unified in fellowship with one another, and they pray big prayers. It'll Create awe and wonder of the one who's worthy. Not awe and wonder of us, not awe and wonder of Transformation Church, but something so big that I have to say only God could do that. Number five, what's another characteristic of a church God blesses? A shared sacrifice. It's going to take a shared sacrifice. Look at verse 44. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, there are those out there today that will use this as a proof text to say that's why you have communism and socialism. 
Now, if you read all of your Bible, it will cure some of your ignorance. He is not teaching socialism and communism here, okay? It's not that at all because we read more about it. I read in my quiet time this week in Acts chapter 4 and chapters 4 and 5. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? What happened to them? Why did God strike them dead in church? Because they lied. It wasn't because they didn't give all the money. It's because they lied. They sold pro- People were selling property to put together this first church plant. People were sacrificing and said, we'll sell what we have. But it wasn't mandated. They didn't have to. It wasn't communism. It was a voluntary thing. And so they did. But then they lied about it. They said, we're bringing all the money. Ananias did, and he got struck dead. And old Sapphira, Sapphira, she didn't know. He done dropped dead, and the people out there getting ready to bury him, they said, did y'all give all the money you made on that property? She said, yes, we did. God struck her dead. She said, the same men that carried out your husband are going to carry you out. It's not about communism or socialism, but it's shared sacrifice. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. You know, all of our tithes are not the same. What we can do is not all the same, but we can all sacrifice. If we all, that first century church, that's what they did. Their generosity was voluntarily sharing. It didn't involve all the private property. The scripture doesn't say that, but only as much as was needed. It wasn't a requirement to be a part of the church. They did it out of love because they wanted to see God do something big there. So the spiritual unity and the generosity of these early Christ followers it attracted other people to them. And you know what? You, if you've heard my testimony, that's my story. Nobody shared the gospel with me. They didn't come give me a Bible, but I saw it. I saw teenagers in my high school that were different. I saw that biblical koinonia that they had and their shared sacrifice they had for one another. And that's what attracted me to start watching them, realize they all go to the same church. So nobody still hadn't invited me to that church. I just went because I saw they had something I didn't have. That was my story. I was in awe of what I saw God doing. If we will trust God and pray big prayers and trust God for big results, if we'll sacrifice not only our money, y'all, not only our money, we'll sacrifice our time. We'll sacrifice our time, our talent, and our treasure. You know, hopefully soon we'll have some shirts that say Transformation Church and we're going to get together with, you know, some of the local schools and say, hey, we want to take a night. We'll just come do concessions. I've been a daddy of athletes and a daddy of cheerleader, and we were always having to do concessions. What a blessing it is if a church will say, Mom and Dad, you go watch your little girl. You go watch your little boy. Transformation Church, we're going to do the concession stand. It's going to take sacrifice. Hot, sweaty, we're going to do it. Why? Because we love this community, and God blessed the first century church because of their willingness to sacrifice. Of course, you know, in this day and age, we live in a highly taxed society. We are taxed everything. If you breathe, they're going to tax you for that. And if we're not careful, we can use that as an excuse. And I can say, you know, I've already paid enough taxes to take care of poor people. I just got to take care of me and my family. I don't see the scripture giving me that opportunity. If you have resources, God gave us those to help other people. And it doesn't give an excuse for being lazy either, by the way. A 58-year-old man stocking cookies and crackers ain't got a whole lot of patience with people who say they can't work and they can't get up and go to work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. The best commentary of Scripture is of the Scripture. This passage is not teaching socialism or communism. This passage is teaching shared sacrifice out of love for God, number one, and also a love for people. Number six, something that's foreign even in the church world today, a reason God blessed that first church. Number six, faithful attendance. Faithful attendance. Look at verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Every day they met at the temple. 
You know, we come to church once or twice a week and the preacher preaches long, we complain. They worshiped every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. He keeps talking about food. That's why I'm Baptist by conviction because we believe in that too, right? <laughs> Hebrews 10.25, again, he kind of alludes to the fact that the Lord's coming back one day. We just sang about it. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some folks do, but encourage one another, especially now as you see the day of His return drawing near. Your translation of Scripture may capitalize the day. It's a specific day, the day of the Lord's return. So we believe in that. We sacrifice. Number seven, hallmark of a church God blesses is praise. Praise. Verse 47, all the while praising God. When you study God's Word every day, when you're fueled by prayer... When there's a shared sacrifice, when you pray big prayers and you see God do big things, you just can't help but give God praise. It was a hallmark of the first century church. It is only natural and it's only normal. When I was a student pastor for years, we would do popcorn praise. You ever heard of popcorn praise? Praise is bragging on Jesus. It's not a prayer request for Aunt Suki's ingrown toenail. It's not that, there's a time for that. But praise is testifying, giving glory to God, what God has done. So when I would say popcorn praise, that meant don't talk for 30 minutes. Give us in a sentence or two a reason you've got to praise the Lord. Let's just do that right. Let's have some popcorn praise up in here. If God blesses a church that gives Him praise, I want to hear you all do it right now. Give us a reason you've got to praise the Lord. Amen. Um, he went to the doctor and there was no uh, reason to get uh, a scan or anything. Wow. It's just one year old, right? God is good. I prayed Psalm 91 over my family. Amen. It's like God knows what he's talking about when he gives us his word. Amen. Praise God for his protection over that one year old. His word is way better than my word. Amen. <laughs> Miss Marianne. Amen. 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 For the recording purpose, I'm going to repeat, Miss Marianne Landers said she's so thankful God lets her live in this. You grew up in Germany, right? So thankful we all, with all of our bumps and bruises and things that irritate us about our country, we're still the freest, greatest nation on the earth, and we better not take that for granted. Absolutely. Those who have lived under other government systems, you see where we're headed, and you know the danger of that. Somebody else a reason to praise. Amen. We're thankful you're at Truett McConnell. We're thankful you're at Transformation Church. Thankful what God's doing there. Miss Anita. Amen. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's right. Amen. We praise the Lord even for little things and everything give thanks. If you're going down uh, through town where they just put all those apartments and it used to be the bridge to nowhere, it's only going to get worse. You've got electricity. If you've got a washing machine, if you've got a cellar, those things work. Yes. And they, they're 15 or 16 years old. That's a praise to God. That they still work. Amen. Praise Him for everything. Yes, sir. Another day. You know, y'all have heard me say, if somebody asks me at work, how are you doing? I always say, I'm blessed. 
A lady asked me last week, we just had a little church there about 6.30 at Walmart. I said, I woke up and I wasn't in hell and I'm never going there. Now, she said, boy, that's faith right there. She didn't believe in eternal security. That's okay. She still loved Jesus, but I'm never going there on the authority of God's word. Amen. Yes, sir. Um, I just want to give testament that where God calls, he'll provide. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, I've been asked, it was asked even this morning, you know, how do you leave a job where you have a salary coming in or a, an income? And I'm telling you, it's happened a few times where God has called and I'll tell you right now, just for Transformation Church, and God gives you sometimes, God will give you these little nuggets to say, this is exactly what I called you to do. And that happened here with Transformation Church. I walked away from another church, stepped out on faith. God, I don't know what I'm going to do without the income that we need. And the minute I stepped away, it was like two days later, my wife got a promotion at, at work and got a pay increase that helped to supplement what it was that I was making at the former church. So God is God is good. And if you are faithful to follow his calling, he will. It's not maybe. He will provide. God calls you to something. God will also provide you what you need in that calling as well. And that's just a testament to this church and what God's doing here. Amen. Where he guides. He, I stepped closer, so I think Where the microphone picked you up. <laughs> yes, sir. And, and if I'm not mistaken, correct me. The raise that your wife got was the exact amount you were making at the last Just church? About the exact amount that I was making. Alive. Just another reminder from God. Amen. We could do this all day long. Anybody else before we move on? Yes, sir, Randall. I just want to praise God that we are able to be saved. Amen. No greater blessing. Yes, sir. He uses us to reach them. Right, right. That's a sense of awe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That God can use. He said, praise God for our salvation. I figured somebody would say that right off the bat. There is no greater blessing. And then God, who could scream it from heaven, could write it in the clouds with his finger, said, no, my design is you. God's put it all, in, not all in our hands, but we're the ones he's entrusted with the gospel to fulfill the great commission and obey the greatest commandment. So praise, popcorn praise. God inhabits the praise of his people. Miss Alice. Amen. Amen. For recording purposes, Miss Alice was praising God for her husband Ron, whose birthday is today. Miss Alice, you had brain surgery, right? Yeah, my, my, my brain started bleeding. Mm. And I was at work and everything came off about three weeks ago. Wow. So I knew. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we serve a big, big God. And Ron loved you because the Bible says we love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Amen? God put you all together. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Were you going to say something?
while. Wow, 13 days. That created a sense of awe, even for those doctors and nurses that didn't know the Lord. They knew they didn't do that. They didn't heal you like that. Only God could. Y'all know what's happening right now as we're praising? He's hanging out. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people. So as we give Him praise, He hangs out. If we're going to be the kind of church God blesses, we're going to give Him praise. Number eight, real quickly, because I know y'all got to get to lunch before they stop serving, right? Number eight is, is a good reputation. A kind of church that God blesses has a good reputation. Look at verse second half of verse 47. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. The Greek language, the original language, literally means a church that had favor with all the people. A church that has favor with all the people. We want to be a church that has favor in Hall County, Georgia. With the Georgia Baptist Convention averaging one church a week shutting down, you know why some of those churches shut down? Because they don't have a good reputation. They're not, they're not grounded on Scripture. They're known for fussing and fighting. And that word gets out in the community. And they don't have a good reputation. And the church doesn't grow. The church that God blesses has a good reputation. Churches that are fussing and fighting and tearing each other down, they're a reproach to the cause of Christ. I'm telling you, I believe people will be in hell. People will reject the gospel because of churches that fuss and fight, and that's their reputation in the community. You invite somebody to come and preach or come to, come to hear somebody preach or come to a concert or a class. I'm not going to that church. I hear about that church. Here's the beauty of Transformation Church. We got a blank slate. Nobody's going to say they've been doing that for 50 years. Nobody's going to say we never did it that way. We have a blank slate. And if we're committed to the truth of Scripture, we obey the first things we've already talked about, we're going to have a good reputation in this community with that blank slate as long as we're centered on Jesus. We don't put up with any junk. We don't put up with any mess. Hey, we're humans. We're going to get tired you come in here early, vacuum setting up. We're going to get, we're going to get on each other's nerves because we're different. We're wired different. We've got different spiritual gifts. But we're going to handle that internally because we're family. When you're family, I'm a daddy. My kids get on my nerves sometimes. I get on their nerves sometimes. But it doesn't change the love that we have for each other. We're going to have some disagreements because one sinner plus one sinner is double trouble. We're going to handle that right here as a family because if that gets out in the community, that's a big strike against Transformation Church. And they blessed, the first century church was blessed because they had goodwill with all the people. And listen, I've served both kinds of churches. I've served churches with a great reputation. 
I've gone to churches, for whatever reason God called me to churches, that didn't have a good reputation. And it can take decades, if ever, to overcome some of that. And some of that is the reason that churches are closed, closing every single week. So let's remember, when we're aggravated with each other, we're tempted to be negative, here's the reality. Souls are at stake. The spiritual, eternal condition of lost souls are at stake. So we're going to honor the Lord, bear one another's burdens, put up with each other's shortcomings, and love each other because the Scripture clearly says God blessed that church because it had a good reputation. And finally, number nine, and I'll be done, soul saved. Soul saved. That's the kind of church that God blesses. Not a holy huddle where Christians say, I want this in a church, I want this, I want this, I want this. If you check all those boxes, I'll bless you and I'll come to your church. No, we need Christians. We need people to come and be seed members. But we don't exist for us. We're exi- we do, I mean, we, we do encourage each other and love each other. But the primary reason for a new church is the people in Hall County, specifically East Hall, that aren't in church anywhere. Souls being saved. Look at verse 47. And each day, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. A healthy and loving Christian community centered on the Word of God, powered by prayer and His transforming truth, that's going to be a church where souls are saved. People are going to hear about that sense of awe. The zeal for worship for a small... I've been in big churches that don't worship like this little group does where you can barely hear anybody. This church worships from our toenails right on up because we know the God we're singing to. That's the God. That's what everybody ought to do, right? When we are not just thinking, oh, I don't really like that song. I ain't singing it. It ain't about you know how. We're singing to Him. Remember who we're singing it to, right? So each day the Lord added to His church that zeal for worship, the obedience to pray, the koinonia, the brotherly love, the sense of awe. In the Jerusalem church, it was contagious. It was contagious. People in Jerusalem said, what is going on? And they started showing up. Dr. Jerry Vines was my wife's pastor growing up. He said, the crowds will come running. The crowds will come running. When they hear God's up to something, people want to be a part of something exciting. I asked one of y'all on the live stream, why do you drive 35 minutes to come to Transformation Church? A church alive is worth the drive. Amen. We believe people will come not just from East Hall, but from all over. When we live by these principles, Transformation Church will be, and really only if we live by these principles, will we be a church that God blesses. So let's make it personal. What can you do? What can you do to attract others to Jesus? What can you do to make what God's doing here spill out into this community so that the crowds will come running to see and hear what God's doing? When they see the joy of the Lord in your life... Listen, I was talking to a kid on Facebook. I've never met him, a Hispanic kid from, I think, Texas where he lives. And I said, dude, I've never met you, but I can look at your countenance and say, you love God and you love people, and he does. He's a youth leader in his church. It's just obvious. You know, you can go to a foreign country and not speak the same language and meet somebody, and there's that instant connection. Your spirit bears witness with theirs. And lost people like I was will see that, may not understand it, but they'll want to know what it is. So who knows the people you come in contact with that are Mike Duras, 15 years old and lost. Now I hope you'll open your mouth and share the gospel with them. But if you'll live it out and let them see the joy, I'm telling you because I was one of them, they'll be curious. They'll want to know what you've got and how to get that. And the crowds will come running. It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. You can only fake it so long if you don't know Him. Do you know Him? Do you know for certain if you died five minutes ago, you'd be absent from your body and present with the Lord? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, These things have I written that you can know that you have eternal life. So I don't hope I'm saved. I don't wish I'm saved. I know that I know that I know. Not because I'm a good guy. 
Not because I'm a preacher, but because of what Jesus and Jesus alone did for my sorry behind when he saved me. So it starts with a personal relationship with him. And then you move on with growing in faith every day. Then you move on with praying those bold prayers. Then you move on with getting in koinonia fellowship in a church that's going to really love you and encourage you. So let's apply this. Let me land the airplane. If we truly want to be the kind of church God blesses, we must each determine to be the kind of person God blesses. Because the church is not the East Hall Community Center. The church isn't just something called transformation. What's the church? It's people. It's us. So Transformation Church, when we leave in a few minutes, Transformation Church is just breaking huddle. We're just going out in there. So the church is the people. So for God to bless a church, God's got to have a people who live a life that God can bless. So if I'm not living a life for God to bless, He ain't going to bless Transformation Church through me. But if all of us together purpose in our hearts, we're going to honor the Lord. I want to be the kind of man that God blesses. And we all come together. The old youth ministry illustration from way back yonder, everybody puts a pine cone in the fire. The more pine cones go in, the brighter it burns. That's cheesy, but it really is a good illustration. The more people who are on fire for Jesus, the brighter that flame is, the more the people out there hear about it and the crowds will come running. There are several, we say this every week, there's so many great churches in Hall County. There's so many great churches in Northeast Georgia. Truett, students, you drive past some great churches to get here. North Hall has a lot of great churches specifically. We said last week, Bucky Kennedy, the campus pastor at Truett McConnell, 14 months ago planted North Hall Church in a building that Dr. Cantor told me should have been condemned with 40 people in North Hall. There's a lot of great churches in North Hall. 14 months later, last Sunday or Sunday before last, they had 500 people there. In 14 months, from 40 to 500. In North Hall, that is more saturated with churches, we're in East Hall, where there's not a lot of churches really, not a lot of us trying to do anything down here. If that can happen in North Hall, where there's churches all around, what can God do here? Light shines brightest in the darkest places. God put us here for a reason. Our potential for the kingdom of God has no limits. It will determine to obey the scripture and be the kind of church God blesses. Pray with me.